3: All right, sir. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wagner, Post 9, New York Stock Exchange, front and center this hour. What Nvidia means to the tech trade after beating earnings? The stock is surging. Is it now the must own name in the Nasdaq? We will debate that. And we're also minutes away from a very special interview today with J.P. Morgan, CEO Jamie Dimon. He always makes market headlines. Do not want to miss that. That is coming up. Joining me for the hour today, Jim Laventhal, Liz Young, Steve Weiss, Bill Baruch, everybody is here at the New York Stock Exchange with us on set. Let's check the markets because NVIDIA is very much the story, but the story of the last 15 to 20 minutes, stocks taking a turn lower. We're still trying to assess where rates are going to go, where the ultimate toll on the uh, economy is going to be, whether the consumer is really as strong as it appears. And Weiss, you are back to being more bearish. Why? I am, and and the backdrop is I I was always bearish. Sure you were. But I
2: saw some trading opportunities. And the reason is is that inflation is stubbornly high. So you can cherry-pick you know, where inflation is maybe moderating. But I guarantee if I ask Jim what the price of the Birkenstocks he's buying or the Aperol Spritzes are, he's going to say they're still going up, and they are. So what you see are critical elements of inflation holding very firm. And of course, they're going down. Of course, it's peaked. But the question is, what's the rate of decline to get to the Fed target? Number one. Number two, the economic data is very good. So you're seeing some parts of it atrophy. But overall, yes, the consumer's been resistant in certain areas, the economy's been a little resistant. Can't argue that, but you don't want it to be, you know, resistant to the decline. You want it to go down so the Fed can say we're done. So the point is the Fed is far from done at this point, and we have not yet, not yet really felt the impact of Fed tightening.
3: What's interesting is you, you and Jim, since you brought him up, you see things somewhat the same way. It's just you come to different conclusions. It's like, yes, you you admit the economy's strong. The conclusion you come to is that's a negative because it's going to embolden the Fed to do more. Jim says, no, the economy's good. It doesn't matter. A, what the Fed does because the economy is going to withstand whatever they do. And they may not have to do as much because inflation is coming down more than meets the eye. If I sum this up correctly to set up a broader debate?
4: Very well. Um, And there's a lot in that, obviously. I will start by saying, you know, what should be patently obvious, if the Fed peaks out, Scott, at 6% on the Fed funds rate, this market is not priced for that. So I will admit that. Let me start there. I think we can agree on that. But the market is priced for two to three more 25 basis point hikes. And that is likely to happen if inflation comes down along the trend lines that we saw before the January figures that came out last week. Now, let me, let me point this out. The three months of data prior to last week's inflation data all came in better than expected. So what we have to do individually and as a team here is decide, was last week's inflation data the start of a trend going in the wrong direction, which is what I think Steve is referring to with stocks, or is it an aberrational blip in the otherwise downward trend? You know where I come out, but I'll state it for the record. I think it's an aberrational blip that is last week's higher-than-expected inflation reports in a downward trend that will take the need out of the Fed to do more than 2 to 325 basis point hikes. And to summarize, if that's the case, this market is priced to go higher. I'll say one other thing. You know, technically, and we can do this now, we can do it later whenever you want, Scott. Technically, there's a lot of things that I, who don't pay attention to a lot of technicals, do look at and say, this is important enough, this is obvious enough from a technical point of view that the market should be going higher.
3: Liz, there are some who say, if the market's priced anything it's overpriced just given what i said nobody can answer the question regardless of whether you're a bull or a bear as to what the ultimate toll on the economy is going to be from what the fed does and what it still may do right if you if you agree with the bullards of the world who say okay 5375 three more 25 basis point hikes, we still don't know what the ultimate impact is going to be on the economy. Given where we are and what we know now, is the economy, uh, is the stock market too expensive here or not?
0: Yes. I think it's too expensive here. Now, look, I own three pairs of Birkenstocks, but I'm with Steve on and the you bearishness.
3: Drink spritzes, so. I, you Occasionally. <laughs> not I, yeah. They're not
0: my favorite. I, I'd prefer something else. but. Anyway, so I think the equity market is too expensive here. The Fed Funds futures market has priced in two to three more hikes, absolutely, right? And the bond market, I think, has arrived at that end point as well. The equity market, however, has not. And I think that we're still looking down the barrel of a gun that has not come to grips with what the consumer may or may not have strength for for the rest of the year and what earnings are going to do for the rest of the year. And I think the equity market is being overly optimistic. I wouldn't pay for it broadly at these levels. That doesn't mean that there aren't spaces that Mm -hmm. you can kind of hide out in and wait this out. But I think we're in an in the meantime market until there's a catalyst to the upper downside. My bet is downside.
3: See, Bill, all roads, no matter what sort of road you take, they all lead to the same place. What's going to happen with the economy? Is the stock market too expensive where it is now? It, it all leads back to the same thing. The bond market and the stock market. The bond market has moved. The Fed funds futures market has moved in line with the Bullards and the Fed. And is the stock market offsides with all of that? Every debate we have leads back to the same question. How do you answer it?
5: Yeah, it's a great, great debate. And I think what we're seeing right now is the economy that we expected in the first quarter, a strong consumer, a little better growth. But I do agree with Weiss that that the Fed may have to come in here and and sort of raise rates more than the market is anticipating. So I, I think that's going to slow things down. We've gotten the stronger consumer. We've gotten the stronger growth. So in the next few months, I mean, I think we could see things start to slow down a little bit from a multiple standpoint. Though I don't think the market has a multiple problem. I think it's more of a sort of an Amazon problem. I mean, if you have a multiple of, of 18, let's say, forward earnings on on the S and P, you remove Amazon and replace it with Apple, it drops about a point, point and a quarter, a point and a half or so. So you're that brings things down. I, I think, and that leads me back. My road is to it. This market is a is a is a stock picker's market, and it's a market of haves and have-nots. What companies have brought down those earnings expectations already in 20? 22, and what companies have it. And those are the companies that you want to own.
3: I don't even think, though, Weiss, that the debate to push back on, on Bill's argument a little bit is, is that, oh, well, what happens if the Fed raises or has to raise more than the market is anticipating? It's just what if the Fed raises to what they're already saying? And what is the, the ultimate impact on, on everything going to be as a result of that? I don't even think we need to go as far as to be being surprised by rate hikes we don't expect. Let's just figure what the next three which we think are gonna be three, are gonna mean.
2: Exactly, and let's determine what the impact of what they've done so far will eventually have in the economy. So so I, I think the issue with the bull case is that they're really focused on the moment in time. This is what I see today. Whereas I'm looking forward, seeing the direction of earnings that we've seen. We came off a bad earnings season, below expectations. We're going to enter into another one that's going to be below expectations. So the Fed just looking to get things under control they don't believe they have. And they're going to err on the side of putting the economy into a recession. I think
3: we're going to be. Yeah, but I mean, but you're... you're you're, I think, a little unfairly insinuating that Jim is so myopic that he's not looking to where the puck is going at all. I'm sure he would tell you that he is looking where earnings are going, too. He just doesn't think they're going to be as bad as you think. But, but markets trade and direction are more. But remove all that. And, I, and I'll
2: agree with you if you remove Amazon and Apple. But if you remove then others, then you get told That's not what the story is, right? The story is the multiple is, over that, the multiple is too high today. The peg ratio is too high today. And what's dropped from the narrative is that I was able to buy nine-month bills at just about a 5% yield. What's happened to that debate? where I've got a risk-free 5% that's tax advantage. It's gone nowhere because Liz
3: Young continues to make the point that that's one of the areas of the market she likes the best is the short end of the curve, right? Exactly, Absolutely.
2: exactly. So, But that's the alternative. That's what's always hit markets in the past. And here, the market seems oblivious to it, at least
3: today. What about what about you?
4: Uh, well, just responding to what Steve just said there, I hear you. You know, We are looking at a moment in time. Of course I predict forward, right? Anybody who's in this business knows to do that. What I do have to say is that what I've been saying for literally, the last 10 months is that things are a heck of a lot better than they seem, and that has been the case. Now, I want to point something Where's out, Where's the market over the last 10 but, 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 months, slow, Jim? Slow, slow down. You just had like five minutes. Just give me like a minute here, all right? Um, look, there is a tone I change. See. There's a tone change from December 31st, and I think you'll acknowledge this. I think we'll all acknowledge it. December 31st, everybody thought there was going to be a recession. I mean, minus me, okay? So 99.99% mm. bill, okay? That has changed. There is now this idea that maybe the inevitable recession is not inevitable. That tone change has shown up in the market, Steve. And sometimes you have to respect what the market's saying. Scott, I know you've pointed out for quite some time that it could be the bond market that's speaking the right thing and not the equity markets. What I submit to you is the equity markets is speaking loudly, and I want to point something out. I was on last, yesterday, and there was this idea, hey, we're in a trading range, we're in a trading range. If you look at a year, yeah, we're in a trading range. If you look at the lows since October, there it is right there, okay? Three successively higher highs, three successively higher lows, plus a golden cross. I'm not a technical analyst, but I know enough about technical analysis to tell you that is a powerful setup. Do not ignore that setup. The equity market is telling you something, and it's telling you it strongly. You also have to be careful,
3: though, not to make more than what really is from the way that the market has moved from the beginning of the year short covering uh, positioning was so ridiculously uh off sides you know the market's trying to anticipate some things there was the idea of a fed pivot God, which, I hate that. yeah but that was in the market I hear you. right so you know we need to we need to hang our hats on things that are legit and real you know short covering Uh, Just getting rightly positioned are not, you know, signals in stone of where we are. False premises of pivots are not legitimate things to assume that you can make a big move higher in the market, pointing to a couple of technicals that may be in
4: your favor. This is a good point. Okay, and it speaks For to the overall at muddle. This is the overall muddle. You're right. There's been a trash rally here, but there's also been some legitimate, like high quality, big stocks rallying. I'm not going to look right now, but Apple's up what, 14% year to date. I mean, I'm in the ballpark. All right. What's Caterpillar up? Uh, you know, we can go. through, We've talked no, about industrial the stocks. Up. Many so of them have been not, hitting new highs. So it's too, not I mean, we just get it. a trash rally, but it speaks to the muddle. Steve and I and Liz and. We're all looking at the same data. We're not not disputing the data. We're we're drawing different conclusions from it. So
3: I want to go on on that note. Um, You know, you can point to trash that's rallied, some treasure or perceived treasure has too, and that's NVIDIA, uh, which just remains a juggernaut in this market after the earnings. The stock is up huge. It's our chart of the day, which we should note. Bill, you were trimming it last week uh, ahead of the number. We asked the question going in, was it now the most important earnings report of the late earnings season? Whether this is now the stock to own in the NASDAQ. Forget about the apples of the world and the Amazons and the alphabets, which all have some sort of
5: issues to worry about. Does this have any... Any hair on it at all? I I think this is a a sign that the market is looking for positive news because it really wasn't that great of a report. Now, I did trim it. I will say I I did trim it because the size it became in my portfolio. It's our number two position still. So it's a a great move to see here. The report really wasn't terrific, but the market is pulling the positives out of there. Yes, they beat the top line. They beat the bottom line. but, but you look at some, some of the data centers quarter over quarter down. Year over year, they're up. The gaming was up quarter over quarter, down year over year. It's just a lopsided report, but, you know, it's obviously there's some buzzy words here. Artificial intelligence, let's, let's not beat around the, ho- the horse here. It's, it's artificial intelligence it's the buzzy word. They mentioned it 75 times in the report. So that's, I think there's a lift there with it. But you also have a really, you know, a very interesting new high on the year in this market right yeah. now.
3: No, I asked Stacey Raskin yesterday on Closing Bell what the over-under was going to be. On the, on the report and the call on, on AI. So, you know, obviously they, they hit the right notes and the right tune, if you will. The stock, by the way, has doubled from its October lows, but this appears to be a crown jewel right now within the NASDAQ.
2: Right, and I'd be a seller, not a buyer of it, frankly. So we beat by eight cents. We still had revenues down 20%, and that was worth adding 75 billion in Mark this company. That's ridiculous. So we're gonna see with NVIDIA what we've seen with every other stock that reported and what we're seeing with Palo Alto today is that you get the sugar high and I own Roblox puts because great quarter, at least that's what the market said, way overreacted, it'll come back to earth as Deer has, as Microsoft has. But you're, has, you're always going don't.
3: to look th- throughout history and you know this and I know you've sure. owned stocks like this, you're always yeah. gonna overpay for the best growth. Or you're gonna, maybe not even overpay is the wrong way, you're gonna pay way up right. for the best growth. Right, if you anticipate growth will continue and that
2: the stock is valued at a particular level that you can stomach. I don't know how you stomach 80 times on NVIDIA, right? At data, I was on a board call with a company that actually builds data centers yesterday, and they're not building anymore. They don't even have the ones they built at 70% of capacity, which is where they're going to. So there are lots of business aspects of what NVIDIA is doing that are weakening. AI is great, AI will continue,
3: but ultimately, AMD's going to have their AI chips. Sure, but these guys, have they're in the sweet spot. It's a they've great got story. the right product and they've got the right execution. It's a great company, too. it's
2: a great story. I'm just unwilling to pay at this level, and I will tell you that my strong belief is it'll retreat from this level. Okay, so you,
3: you trimmed Microsoft, and Bill, you trimmed Alphabet I'm and Microsoft. Yeah. You're out of Microsoft altogether. Yeah. Why? Just reflecting your Same overall reason. market view? Same reason.
2: Well, part of that. Well, oh, you think Microsoft's too expensive? Yeah, I, I do actually. and... Uh, I think I'll be able to get it cheaper. So trade up on the sugar high of AI, a new AI capability, but you still have cloud slowing. You still have their business slowing. Now maybe the business picks up as more people go back to work and they've got to you know buy more licenses, they buy more computers, more PCs, etc., whatever. That's a possibility.
5: Yeah. I mean, in the middle of this January, February rally, we, we, it's easy to forget that Alphabet's earnings were not that good. Microsoft's earnings were not that good. But, but again, this is more trimming for me as coming into the year with 40% weighting in tech, bringing it down to 30%. I mean, capitalizing, monetizing this move. Now, I, I am concerned with some of the developments with ChatGPT. How much is priced into Microsoft? What headwinds it brings to Alphabet? So there's, there's a lot of questions to be answered here in the coming weeks and months. All right. Up next,
3: our exclusive interview with J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. His outlook for stocks, the Fed. And the bank's big new investment in Philadelphia do not go anywhere. Halftime back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more.
6: B2B selling is tougher than ever
3: Welcome back to halftime. Serving the underserved continues to be a big priority for J.P. Morgan, which is announcing another big investment in that area today down in Philadelphia. That's where we find J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon alongside one of that town's favorite sons, Jim Kramer. Jimmy, it's all yours. Uh, Scotty, thank
7: you for teaming me off because it's exactly what we want to start talking about, which is serving the underserved, getting people in Philadelphia here at 52nd Street to have ownership I saw you happier than I've ever seen you yeah. you are a banker a local banker at heart
1: Yeah, exactly people always think of us as big CEOs in the corporate headquarters we do a lot of corporate business but at the end of the day we have branches and human beings they're run by human beings that you saw it they love their clients in that community branch we're doing mortgages for low-income individuals we're doing small business advice where we bring in the whole community it's a fabulous concept Uh, that we've just really enjoyed doing it. And
7: And this this is replicable. You're doing it in another
1: tough city like Baltimore. We have 15. Uh, I've been to like 12 of them so far. We also have 100 community managers. So one of the special things here is we have a branch manager and a community manager who walks the street, meets the local businesses, the not-for-profits, the enterprise, Della, who is here, works with the local religious institutions, brings them in. We've had 60 events there to educate the local population about small business, gain a mortgage, saving money, uh, uh, things like that. So they've been a huge success, and we're just really proud of them. And they're a hell of a lot of fun to go to.
7: But, well, the yeah. cynics would say, you're just doing this because of political, you're doing it to, to because you want to look good in Washington. Yeah. That's what I saw. I saw a guy who's actually a banker who's going to make money off the neighborhood because the neighbor is going to do well.
1: Yeah. They, they, uh, the cynics are terrible. They're always they are terrible. Well, oh, but we sometimes serve, you're one of them. We serve people, okay, we serve people every day. That, that branch you saw, we want every branch manager to welcome you like that. You saw the story about the one person who got the mortgage. It lived there for 25 Belief, years. Dynamite. And the woman's whose name, I don't remember, the mortgage loan officer who called him every day to get him through the process and how proud he is to own a home now and he was telling his son that we own this home. So, you know that. yeah, that moves. That's one person, but that bends the curve right there.
7: Okay, so we hear that the mortgage business is tough. Wells Fargo just laid off a lot of people. I didn't see any of that today. I saw on a micro level, not what the, what the Federal Reserve is doing, not what the Fed funds rate is, but about what happens when you revitalize the neighborhood and you get an uplift yep. in business in the whole town.
1: That's correct. There's good evidence, both anecdotal and we have some numbers to support, that when you have a branch there, that you have local businesses move in, you have a uh, home uh, be sold. It changes the value of things around the, around the area. We've done this now you know, in, in D.C. and South, in Harlem and uh, in Crenshaw, L.A. Yeah, so these, can, these things can lift up the whole society. And the other thing, which you may remember, we hire locally. The art is done locally. When we bring in food as local vendors, it was, the place was reconstructed by a, a black construction company. So we, and we, everything we do, we try to do local. It, it's really a community branch. And with local outreach, and, uh, and they've been great.
7: All right, so how do you jive the uh, real banker you are, I mean, community real banker, with something like, oh, my God, we're going to have recessions, so therefore we're in trouble. The Federal Reserve this, Fed rates, Fed funds rate that. These don't seem to work together. Are there two economies, the economy that we, that we obsess about and the economy that is creating a, a great wealth in this area?
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically run the company. I know that there's, the economy can go up or down. Right. We don't run it that way. We do it this way. We build branches, we hire people, we train people, we build technology, and we basically do it through thick or thin. And even even more than that, I want to be helping this community regardless of the environment. We will be there for clients regardless of the environment. And yes, we all talk about the economy, you guess about it, but we manage through it, and we try to make sure we can handle whatever it throws at us, which, but often, thing, you know, again, which is three, often different than you expect.
7: All right, but we got a $3 trillion base uh, here, which is just incredible, largest in the world. So I know you have to worry about recession. I over the, the big panoply that you have. Do you tell people, listen, batten
1: down? Mm, I tell people not really. So yes, on certain things, but for the most part, no. But we always have a recession playbook where you might do a certain credit. Well, you're you breaking do, it out right here.
7: Say it again? You're breaking out the recession playbook right now.
1: Not really. No. Right now, the U.S. economy, this is the contradiction here. Okay. The U.S. economy right now is doing quite well. Consumers have a lot of money. They're spending it. Jobs are plentiful. I think it's fabulous, by the way, that wages are going up for the low end. So I get a lot of complaints from CEOs about that. Oh, but that's
7: inflationary.
1: But they haven't had a pay raise for 20 years. And so, you know, here, our minimum wage is something like the 40th percentile of all Americans. And they get mental, uh, dental and uh, medical and things like that. But, But it's wonderful. That's that's today. Out in front of us, there's some scary stuff. And you and I know there's always uncertainty. Like, right. That's, that's a normal thing. Okay. This good. uncertainty is a little bit more than that. Well, you Think about you
7: know. this. For a long time, we said, well, the Fed's behind the curve. Now we say they're ahead of the curve. Maybe they're going to hurt us. I'm not hearing that we should obsess. Maybe we are obsessing about every quarter point. Because you've I'm, been there when it's seven, eight. You've been there when it's ten. You've been there when it's thirteen. You still did your business.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, we will be fine regardless of the interest rates out there, and we prepare. You know, we prepare to handle the fat tails, not, not right. the ones you expect, the ones you don't expect, because you want that for me. You want J.P. Morgan Chase to be a strong entity regardless of the environment. And like I said, I want to serve the client regardless of the environment. So I look, the Fed will, will do what it has to do. It's kind of caught up. They're going to pause. We all know that for a while. They should. It may not be enough. And so I, I think people yeah, but be little... your,
7: but the 2% inflation, are you there
1: for that? No, I think it'll take a while. I, so, I, think, I just don't think so it'll go down longer, long So rates longer,
7: higher and longer?
1: Possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. You know, that, well
7: hurts. that hurts. Will that hurt lending? Will it hurt the... Uh, what you're trying to accomplish on 52nd Street in Philadelphia?
1: All things being, it won't do anything we're doing here. It won't change our plans at all. All things being equal, it might be slightly worse for the economy. Still, there's still a chance for a soft landing. I mean, right. I wouldn't take that off the list of possibilities.
7: Okay, now across the street from this uh, bank is a check uh, check cashing outfit. Yeah. Uh, we know that they're also AI lending. We know that there's buy now pay later. A lot of people have tried to reinvent things. <clears throat> Maybe it's phony tech. Uh, bank versus what I know, you might think of as phony tech.
1: Where are you? Yeah. Uh, it's not far. I mean, AI is real. Like we use, we already use AI, machine learning, lang- natural language processing in 300 cases, and we do it to re- reduce risk, fraud, marketing. When we move money around the world, it's running through OFAC systems, sanction systems, risk systems. It also uses AI to make sure. Is this abnormal? Is it a bad pattern? Uh, we use voice recognition. We have tons of things well, to stop the... Well, it's not
7: new. F- I mean, what Jensen Wong said like, from NVIDIA, you're already doing it. I know you're doing machine learning logic and it's yeah, working for you.
1: That's correct. But, but I would say to the... Uh, Everyone out there, it is still at the early stages. This is this is this is real. This is a dramatic change, and people should get really geared up for how you can use AI for good. Right. And remember, it can be used for bad. So there's a little bit of an arms race. You know, the bad guys are going to use it too, and you have right. to just keep that in mind.
7: All right. So I mean, look, it's in the news today. You guys issued J.P. Morgan. This is the type of thing when I was a homicide reporter, used to spring on people. Very smart. I'm going back 40 years. Uh, J.P. Morgan admits Jess Staley had inappropriate contact with Jeffrey Reyes. you guys saying this. Yeah. How come the AI doesn't catch stuff like that?
1: It probably would have. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, basically, I can't talk about specific litigation. Right. Is this we, the end we, of, we have an extraordinary amount of risk, legal control people, talented people. A lot of them come out of the DOJ, the attorney generals, right. who know what they're doing, who have to make judgment calls. And hopefully, hopefully they make the good ones.
7: Okay, so let, let's talk about... Uh, I I need you you to to talk about what uh, is—I have to regard as the banker I saw today versus the things I read from you. And I say that because sometimes I lose hope when I hear you. Yeah. And then sometimes, like this morning, when I see you smile, see you (laughs) congratulate people, talk about even in somewhat expletive, deleted way how exciting it is, how do you— I'm having trouble, Jamie, with the one that is saying, listen, there's a lot of gloom. we got to get together with the one that says there's a lot of good things happening.
1: Yeah, they're both a little true. First all, I love seeing our people and seeing our clients getting out in the road. And you learn something every day. You know, I hugged the woman who made that mortgage. I mean, literally, it just it, it warms my heart. And so, so about just put this perspective. Economy's good today. There's always uncertainty, but it's heightened now. It's heightened because of the QT, Russia, Ukraine, oil, gas, war, migration, trade, China, and that's a rational thing. But then put out here, what I really feel: America is the most prosperous nation on the planet. We have all the food, and energy we need. We have an enormous innovation. We're going to get through everything. Oh, but
7: just say, uh, That's you just called uh, in January for a Marshall Plan for food and energy. Yeah, Why I don't need a Marshall Plan. We got all we need. No, no, for the world, because well, but you, but, but you said America always has to be put first.
1: Yes, but I think America first, but America has to help. If you don't have American leadership around the world, I mean, mature, polite, diplomatic, it can't be our way or the highway. If you don't have it, you're going to have chaos. The only the only one who can lead is America. I'm not saying that because I'm being arrogant. No! It's the military, economic, and capabilities that we have. But so, at the
7: same time, in yeah. the same breath, you said in your January piece, don't forget, FDR and Churchill made common cause with Stalin, one of the worst Italian yep. leaders in, in, of our lifetime exactly. to defeat Hitler. At the same point you talk about maybe we need to have allies, that, common cause allies, just on this issue. I read your pieces saying maybe we We've got to go to China and defeat Putin together.
1: I, I don't think we can do that. But, Why not? But I, think, I think the real point is American leadership, real politic. This is, this is not, you know, worrying about not real, po- real politics, which is the, my reference to Stalin, and that we've got to make sure our allies are safe and that they want to trade with us and they want to ally with us and stuff like that, which is diplomatic. But oil and gas, you see what it could have done to Europe? Right. It's already hurting a lot of poor nations. It's hurting poor people. Governments have to basically subsidize it uh, even more. So I'm trying to make the point is that if we don't get affordable, reasonable, uh, uh, secure energy, it would be bad for the world. And, by the way, it's going to be bad for CO2 because you see countries around the world turning back on their coal plants. So I'm, right. I'm making the argument. We need comprehensive strategy to make sure we get through this and make the world safe for democracy for the next hundred years.
7: All right. So let's just go back to what, what that's the juxtaposition. Yeah. I saw people today who are going to be empowered. The mm-hmm. neighborhood. I know that there's a 50 percent lift. We went to nine and 19th, which is an even tougher area, right. so to speak, there's on back a few years ago. Uh, I look at all this and then I think about, OK, so I, sh- I need to worry about j I need to worry about the Fed. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong because maybe that's too short a term. Maybe what we're thinking about when we talk, we talk about the Fed is not what is happening uh, boots on the ground here.
1: Yeah, I think they're different. I mean, the Fed, look, they have, I have all the all respect for Jay Powell. Uh, but, you know, the fact is we lost a little bit of control of inflation. Models right. didn't pick that up. I've always been suspicious of models. And when right. we use them extensively, I always say well, you use a little bit of judgment, too. Uh, and there's been a sea change. Governments are borrowing a lot of money, and you've got to incorporate that in what's taking place. That means they're spending it. That's inflationary. Wages we haven't we've seen come down, but not so much. Right. Oil and gas will probably be going up because, you know, the investment in it has been curtailed. Right. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the green, envir- green economy, we I think mean, it's close to $4 trillion a year of additional spending. So you're talking, and the uh, IRA Act, which I think has a lot of good stuff in it, the infrastructure app, the Chicks app, this is huge money. And so, you know, me, you've had a sea change. And I think we should all get adjusted to that. And, you know, we'll have more normalization of interest rates. And we'll be fine. Just remember, America's the most prosperous city on the planet. Oh. We'll be fine. Okay, but... but.
7: I don't. I I know that area very well. My family's been here for 175 years. Mm. That area has not had had vibrancy for 65 years. Right. Are you telling me that government did anything to that area? We talk about the government. to this government. Government did nothing for that area. That's why that area is so underbanked and the people are poorer than they should be. J.P. Morgan is more important than the government when it comes to that area. Yeah.
1: Why talk about the government so much? So, you're the business source. Business is the greatest source for social change. Yeah, I, I totally agree, but. We need, we need good government policy, and we got to do it in collaboration. So we're doing a lot of collaboration there. The mayor was there. Yes, you, know, we, you need zoning laws changed. You need inner city schools and to teach kids. your people do that. Your branch will do that. We, do, we try to do all of that. We try to get kids jobs. We got rid of, we're hiring ex-felons now. We're, we're, we got rid of college degree required where necessary. Right. But we need government to do to change the mortgage laws to make them more affordable to people. We need government to do a better job in inner city school education. We need government to do a better job with these zoning laws about for affordable housing. So, you know, in collaboration, you can lift up that neighborhood. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of government rules, regulations requirements, they completely backfire. They have the total adverse consequence to what they were intended to do, but they don't, they don't change them. So no, we need government don't. to be a little more need reactive. Government. Yeah. Need government.
7: Now, uh, we're talking to Jamie Dimon, chairman CEO of J.P. Morgan. I, Chase, I'm so glad that, that Scott Wapner gave us a chance. We are going to be back
3: with you later on Mad Money. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Scott, Jimmy, we appreciate it, and we'll look forward to more of you and Jamie later on on Mad Money, of course, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Our thanks to Jamie for that valuable time as well. Uh, Guys, let's talk about this. I mean, the headline, economy good today, but as Jamie said, heightened uncertainty as well. Consumers good, jobs are plentiful. Scary stuff, though, right? There's a lot of uncertainty that he talked about, Steve. Going to take a while to bring inflation down. Asked by Jim, does that mean higher for longer? He said, yeah. Yeah, you could see that's still a chance for a soft landing as well. What do you make of it? I mean, it feels like what was Hurricane Jamie is now, you know, okay, maybe Thunderstorm Jamie. Yeah, so. Certainly not looking for a Category 5, it doesn't sound like. Yeah,
2: so so I think the bet as to whether we have a soft landing or no landing, whatever the hell that means, or a hard recession uh, is, is not appropriate. It's the direction that we're going. And when you take a look at the consumer, the consumer's clearly trading down. We've heard that, which means that they don't believe they have the balance sheet to continue to buy those high levels, number one. Number two, we're seeing delinquencies pick up, both in commercial real estate and and in just normal loans. We're seeing the consumer balance sheet is now stretched. The free money's run out. So all the signs are there for not so resilient for an economy that's declining. So yes, at a moment in time, yeah, you can party on if you want. But if you look to the
3: future, I think it's a much different story. I mean, he's story. Not a, he certainly was not a party-on no, kind of person in, in any stretch. He's not stress, Jim but, but he, No, but but he also wasn't a weiss that, you know, things are are going to get really bad. He's in a much more responsible position than I am. So he's <laughs> got to be
2: a lot more measured than I am.
3: It's a guy who said hurricane. He, he called for a hurricane. Yeah, what are you
2: talking but about? He's in a different environment. Take a look at the environment he's sitting in right now, right? He's out there spreading the cheer of J.P. Morgan, appropriate slow. Appropriately so, so, they do so many great things. I don't think it was the right forum for him to come out. Even though he's not prone to holding back, I, I just don't think. You what, can ask what, based on he your what's your
3: takeaway.
4: I'll keep this succinct. Uh, he was asked point blank, as he's dusting off the recession playbook. He gave a point blank answer the way he does. He said no. He said not really. Um, okay, not really. I'll take that as a as a no. No, of I wrote it down word, word for word. Okay, word I said, not really. Really. All right, but not really. <laughs> I mean. Actions speak louder than words. I'll I'll just leave it at that. What you read,
5: I, and then Liz. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't think there's reason to be cautious. I mean, I'm cautious in the market in general, but on the economy here, I mean, I think we're sort of kind of going along. And the thing about it is you noted the consumer. I mean, delinquencies are ticking up, but they're now at normal levels. And then Goldman Sachs a couple weeks ago put a note out that that the consumer excess savings was to be drawn down by 35%, this is excess, excess savings after the pandemic, uh, in the first couple, first quarter, but then only 65% is going to be drawn down by the end of the year. Consumers are a bit healthier, but the problem is as the higher rates and the, the lagging Fed policy trickles up to the higher end consumer as the year develops, and that's where the the real concern is going to roll out. You see, the, next the bet months. has
2: to be made though with delinquencies you cited 35%. I think that's
5: what No, 35% of excess savings.
2: Ex- excess, excess, okay. Savings, yeah. The point the bet you have to make is that it doesn't get worse and it doesn't get significantly worse. Yeah. And that's not the bet I'm willing to make. That's the moment in time
3: today.
5: Well, well you're so right, because I, the lagging the lagging uh, effect of the Fed's tightening is going to hit this economy. Exactly. I'm not as,
3: I'm not you as just excited. Don't know, you just yeah. don't know to what degree yes. it, it is, and maybe that's the biggest takeaway from listening to Jamie. You can sit in the chair in which he does. You can have access to the unlimited amount of information that he does that others don't. You can talk to people that he has access to that we don't. And you could still come away, Liz, with the conclusion that even Jamie Dimon, given all of those variables that exist, doesn't know. He just doesn't know. What looks today to be good, he's not able, nobody is, to say what tomorrow is gonna look like either.
0: Yeah. Well, look, he has data that's showing consumer spending is probably healthy. I still think that there's some cognitive dissonance going on between the savings rate and the fact that people are spending on credit cards. If they had all the savings built up, why are they using their credit cards so much? So there's, some, there's something about that data that doesn't line up. I think what I heard from him today was just a matter of timing. I don't know that he abandoned the hurricane narrative. It's just that the hurricane isn't here right now, so they don't need to pull out the recession playbook. I also think that, maybe he's been more conservative with what they're allowing for in those risk scenarios. So there's no need to update them necessarily right now. And yes, right now, things are pretty good.
3: Yeah, I think everybody's grappling with the idea that, okay, the consumer and the economy are probably better off at this point than we thought they'd be. Sure. In the here and now. And we'll see if it holds up. And if it doesn't, to what degree does it deteriorate?
0: Well, I think the strength has held on longer than people expected. And when you look at things, I, I think about the consumer all the time. When you look at things like what revolving credit is compared to their disposable income, still at pretty manageable levels, but creeping up quite quickly. So once you get to some of those thresholds where it's a problem, that's where it starts to kind of break down. That may not happen until middle of the year.
3: Okay. So uh, again, look for more of Jamie Dimon, Jim Cramer tonight, Mad Money at 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss Uh, any of that. So we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we have a pair of competing calls on one consumer stock that's more than doubled the S&P this year. We're going to debate that name ahead of its earnings next week. We also have some more moves to get through. Bills added to a couple of popular names. Weiss has trimmed one. We're back after this.
7: What does it mean to be rich?
3: We're back. We have a bit of a street fight on Target, and that's ahead of the earnings next week. We bring it up because it's a sort of rough day for some of these consumer stocks, whether, I mean, you guys see what's happening with the pizza names. Um, PZZA, Domino's are getting hit pretty hard. Uh, Wayfair's down, Dollar General's down, and now Target. Okay, Weiss, I, I go to you first because you used to own it. I It tells you, reiterates, outperform. Bank of America reiterates neutral. They basically get to the same place on the stock, but this is all ahead of earnings next week with questions about the consumer. What do you think?
2: Well, I, I think the company's due to make a quarter. I think it's been three or four where they've missed it. And why have they missed it? Because they've misjudged both the spending of their, of their customer base and inventories. So you have to be confident they've now gone through all the inventories. Look, Brian Cornell hasn't turned to dope overnight. He's still a great CEO, but it reflects how great CEOs having trouble navigating these times. So I'd not be an owner here. I believe you can get it cheaper. Now, if they beat by a penny, as we saw with NVIDIA, then you can see the stock up 20%. But I'm not willing to play that. I think I'll get it cheaper.
3: You own Dollar General, Mr. Baruch.
5: We actually uh, got rid of Dollar General, rotated into uh, McDonald's. And and that's one of the things is okay. worry about inventories. Um, I, mean, I think the consumer kind of moving away from that. I, I like the franchise model of McDonald's. This was a move we made about two weeks ago. Liz?
0: Look, I mean, I'm like I said before, I'm still worried about the consumer. I do think that there's going to be some weakness to come. If you are going to expose yourself to consumer names, I would look at the more defensive consumer names where people are trading down, because I think that's going to continue over time. And if you want to pick some of those up, but be careful because they are expensive right now.
3: So I would probably still wait. This Your out. consumer exposure mostly deals with the home, it's,
4: right? It's with very Depot, light. Sherwin. Yeah. My, my consumer exposure is very light, and I keep looking in the space. Something like Target at this Which valuation. Which is so bizarre,
3: given your overwhelmingly positive view of the said consumer.
4: And, and here's, here's why. <laughs> you know, you take a look at what Home Depot and Walmart did today, or this week, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really cast a pall on the sector. And I was waiting to see how these retail reports would come in before. There's some stocks in the sector I want to take a look at.
3: But you haven't owned any names in here for a long, long time, yeah. despite the fact that you are, as I've said incredibly positive on the state of the consumer, arguably the most that we have on the committee.
4: This, And I'm not backing off of that. But what I am saying is that the sentiment for this sector of the stock market is lousy right now. I do think, I'll go out on a limb here and say, I think Walmart is sandbagging it with the 2% growth that they're predicting this year for the consumer. I think they're looking like Jamie Dimon. They're like, we really don't know. We don't know, so why don't we play it safe? That's what any of us would do in that position. But I think the consumer is stronger, and for the reasons I've listed, still the sentiment in this space is lousy right now. That's why I'm not picking anything up. It's just that simple. All right,
3: up next Mike Santoli will join us for his midday word and keep sending us your trades to grade. Email us ask halftime at cnbc.com. We're right back.
0: We see a window of opportunity for equity markets to rebound.
7: Let's go to work.
3: Countdown to the opening bell. Trading starts right now. Where do you want to be? In a still cautious and uncertain environment. Welcome back to Halftime. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli with his midday word. I guess out of, outside of NVIDIA, the word is, is caution. What would you say?
8: For sure. Uh, first of all, shows you that uh, Nvidia is pretty singular in terms of what drives it and what creates excitement. It's not really a Nasdaq proxy. And yes, caution. I think you could look at the revised GDP numbers and you could find something to be afraid of on either side of the the big debates. Uh, whether it is just a revised higher uh, inflation number. By the way, that's a quarter that started four and a half months ago that's being revised. But still, um, you know, revised higher inflation coming into the year and then you know final demand measures. of uh, of consumer spending were pretty unimpressive under 1%. So I think that's where it is ahead of the PCE. And then just... On this sort of technical test level, uh, you know, the 200-day average of the s and is not far below. We've also basically unwound half of the rally uh, on this last leg higher. So that's kind of what we did in December from high to low. Uh, and then that's where it held. So uh, not too far from a level where you have to see if, uh, if that's going to be a repeat script or not.
3: I'll, I'll see you during closing bell. We'll talk more about what uh, Jamie Dimon had to say to Jim just a few moments ago. That's Mike Santoli. We'll see him, as I said, closing bell. Grade My Trade is up next. We're right back. Okay, grade my trade and. Bill, you're up first, okay? Marathon Petroleum from Larry B. I wrote MPC from 111 to 135. It's back to 115. I just doubled down on it. What do you think? Grade it.
5: I actually just trimmed this name. We own it. It's it's one of our larger energy holdings. Uh, it's a refining company. So there there is a there's lacking refining capacity in this country a, in the world right now. So there's always going to be demand for it. Um, I, I, I like it, but I don't know about doubling down at this level in the near term. Okay. So let's get through a couple of speaking of trades, uh, Weiss, you trim deer.
2: Yeah, I'm actually out of deer now, so you're out fully. Uh, I'm f- out I fully can't keep
3: now. up with you. It says trim. You're out. This, I, I, that I mean, go too up. fast you, you? for you,
2: Scott. I admit that. <laughs> I'm guilty. Um, Look, it's part of what the theme I expressed before is that it had an unusually large reaction to the earnings. I'd sold half my position before the earnings, so it didn't benefit completely, and uh, just thought I'd get out. When stocks move ahead of the fundamentals, as they are in this market, like Nvidia today, then I think in you take opinion. it off and you trade it. In your opinion? In my opinion. Okay. Thank you. I had to throw
3: that Thank in you, there. Scott. You're welcome, Stephen. Uh, Bill, you added to Disney. Yeah. Tell me.
5: You know, it's, uh, I, I thought the earnings was solid, good momentum out of there. I really like the fact that they were able to split the, the homegrown Disney and the creative side behind that, break off the parks, the entertainment, ESPN. I think this could really bring some good momentum. Um, obviously, it's, it's down with the broader market right now a little bit, but I, I, I'm, I'm upbeat. You also added to ABV. Yeah, I think that's... That's a a highly loved stock, it seems. It's actually become, you know, up there, top three holdings with us, along with NVIDIA. And the reason being is lukewarm earnings report, it reacts very well when a stock can't go down because of sort of somewhat bad news then i think that's a tailwind now the reason is is they're looking at the pipeline of of drugs here and um you know replacing that revenue from humera that they're losing the patent on Mm -hmm. uh, i think that the drugs in the pipeline the the market's telling you they see this being replaced by 2025 2027. all right we'll take a quick break we'll do finals next
3: bell, 3 o'clock Eastern time. So we're going to see what happens with this market between now and then. Walk you right up into overtime. Cameron Dawson is going to be with me. Anker Crawford, Stephanie Lincoln, Eric Johnston, who's been super bearish. So we'll find out if he's staying with that call or if he's changing his tune, which he sometimes does because he's very tactical in nature. But we'll find out in just a couple hours time from now. And I hope you'll join me then. Let's do final trades. Liz Young, you are first
0: king dollar this time. This is a short-term one. This is more 30 to 45 days. There's weakness in the dollar. Previously, I think it sees some strength coming up based on interest rate differentials and fear coming back in.
3: All right, Mr. Baruch.
5: LNG, Chenery Energy, blowout earnings report. You don't need to chase it here up 8% on the day, but the world does not have enough natural gas, and they make their money exporting natural gas. I think this is uh, the supply that is out there right now is going to meet demand at this level in, in natural gas prices.
3: Yeah, prices are so incredibly low there. Farmer Jim.
4: Uh dear, you know this had a blowout earnings last week. Wait, the one that Weiss just trimmed? Well, that's my catalyst. That's my catalyst. It wasn't no, going to be my know, final I trade. No, I know you too well.
2: <laughs>
4: I he mean, changed he sold it up. It.
3: Literally, people. He changed it in the commercial break.
2: Okay, Jim, that's great. My final trade, <laughs> my final trade is I'd be a seller of Alibaba. I don't know why anybody would want to own a Chinese sock here. They're booting out the US accounting firms Geopolitical tensions are inflamed. You can't trust the accounting. I'd be a sell of all the Chinese that stocks. That stock
3: was up big earlier, and then it uh, has wow. since reversed, as you exactly. See. All right, that does it for us. I will see you. Closing bell. The exchange begins now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
6: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric.